Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast. We are going to break down every single football game that happened in the Atlantic Coast Conference this weekend. There's a lot, Mac, but first of all, Mac, I know you had a crazy day on Saturday. Your head was on a swivel just watching every (laughs) single game. I'm sure you guys had fun. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Another great weekend, a good bounce back weekend for the ACC in general. Uh, Obviously, we would have loved to have that NC State game back and and maybe Syracuse a little bit more of an offensive effort uh, earlier in the game. But man, (laughs) Florida State. Yeah, you know, we can just brush that under the rug. Uh, We'll we'll talk about all those games. We'll talk about all those games. But it was fun. It was a great weekend. It did feel like, Kelly, uh, I was watching a a ping pong championship because of all the games. (laughs) I'm just back and forth, back and forth. Um, And then calling the Duke game Friday night was a ton of fun. Matt Berry, uh, my guy, was an absolute pro, was awesome working with him. And Friday was a crazy day. And just to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit for you guys, I did a digital show at uh, 530 I did the huddle at seven, sprinted across campus. Uh, with, it's a it's a campus. I mean, ESPN is like a college in Connecticut. In Connecticut. In Connecticut. And, and then yeah. called the Duke game from a studio with Matt Berry. It was so much fun. It, it, it's just it, it's why I love being back. It's why I love this job. It's so challenging to be able to prepare for a multitude of different things like that. And then hopefully we executed at a high level and, and everybody enjoyed it. But it was uh, it was a ton ton of fun. A great weekend, KG. Superstar alert. I no, love no, that, no. Mac. And look, this is something that you have ingrained in you. And I like to think I have it, but I think you have it a little more than me. Whatever our bosses ask you to do, you're there. Boom. Oh, yeah. You want me to do a digital show and then go do the huddle and then go do a game and then also <laughs> like juggle at halftime and you want to tape that and put it on TV? Sure. Whatever you I want. Whatever it. you want. Hey, it's just it's the offensive lineman in me. We, we just we do our job. We put our head down and we go to work. So that's just what that's we so do. That's so true. That's so true. OK, we have so many games to get to, but we want to start all of our Monday episodes with a little AP poll discussion. Now, Mac, I know the AP poll. We say it doesn't matter because the playoff poll uh, really matters, but it's not going to come out for a long time. So this is the tool we have right now to figure out how the league's looking. We have four ACC teams ranked going into this week. Miami at 24. They survived against App State. North Carolina at 21. Virginia Tech at 15. And Clemson at 6. I don't think there are many people that had Virginia Tech as the second highest ranked team in the ACC going into week three. If you did, uh, you were lying. <laughs> and what really stood out to me, Mac, with Clemson, I, after watching the A&M game, I thought, okay, Clemson has to jump A&M. A&M looked terrible, barely beating Colorado. But I did not account for, I thought Oregon would come up, did not account for the Iowa factor. They sneak up on you. That's what they do. And now in your top six is Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Oregon, Iowa, Clemson. What do you make of that, Mac? Yeah, you know, just going back on what you kind of, discuss there quickly about, you know, this poll doesn't matter and it doesn't. And I actually, I despise it at times, but it's the only tool that we have currently. So we we have to use it. We have to talk about it. And and I think when you look at this thing, uh, what stands out most to me is all of those Pac-12 teams, Kelly, that were in it a week ago. And and everybody's like, man, the Pac-12 is loaded. There's so many teams. And I was like, I guarantee you, they're not going to be there that long. 
they're all almost out already. USC gets crushed by Stanford. We we saw Utah lose. We saw, we saw all these teams just not take care of business. Oregon, the shining light, uh, jumped up eight spots. And, you know, I, I kind of thought about it. You know, should Clemson be back in the top four, the top five? And, I, you know, I thought if I was an Oregon fan, if I was a an, an Iowa fan, I would be livid if my team was 0-2 with the big-time wins that they already have in behind a one in one team. So I think it's fair. I think it's much deserved. And of course, everything will take care of itself. And at the end of the day, this poll don't matter. But it's fun to talk about, fun to have four teams in. A really big missed opportunity by a team like NC State. Probably could have been in, in the, the 20s, maybe the teens with a big win over Mississippi State. But it's a long season. Those guys will bounce back. And, you know, after this weekend, do we have. You know any other ACC team rank because it's it's going to be another great weekend that's coming up. We do. We have, and I should say, receiving votes here. Pittsburgh receiving thirteen votes. Boston College receiving eight votes. Now BC has some other issues. We'll get to that in their game with the injury status of Phil Dracovic. But I'm totally good with Oregon jumping up there, and even Iowa. When you have those rank wins, it, it matters who you beat. And I was blown away by Oregon. I thought Oregon was going to cover. I didn't think they were going to win. They were incredible, and they were without their best player in Kayvon Thibodeau. He was in sweats on the <laughs> sideline. So shout out to the Ducks. I'm very impressed. And, you know, this is good for college football. As much as ACC or Clemson fans don't want to see it, of course Ohio State fans don't want to see it, when you have two of the perennial playoff teams lose early, it does add more intrigue overall to the entire product. I think that's good for college football. I completely agree. We, we talk about the opportunity for parity all the time and, and needing parity. And so we're getting it right now. This season has been nuts. I, I Honestly, it kind of feels like a COVID season, but I think that's what's so cool. And, and I would almost expect this a year ago, Kelly, with, with the teams that we've seen lose, how we've seen teams lose. And it just goes to show you that college football is the greatest sport. You never know what to expect. At the end of the day, the, the game is controlled by young men, 18 to 22-year-old kids that make mistakes and, and you know have good and bad days, and that's why we see what we do. But a great start to the season. Super excited. Kelly, before we jump into this episode, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at On3. From the founders of Rivals.com and 24-7 Sports, On3 aims to be the college sports destination digitally for fans who don't just love the game, but love the spectacle of what I was just talking about that distinguishes college football from other major sports. On3 combines three unique businesses into one company, National News. They're going to cover the ever-evolving college landscape across the country with all the things going on. Fan sites, they're going to have that local presence that captures the passion of the voice of the fan and and throughout the team-based coverage. And then lastly, They'll have a database that is the ultimate interactive resource, ranging from recruiting profiles to NFL draft info and everything in between. They're simply the best, and we're very excited to partner with them. And if you're listening to this, you're an ACC fan. They only have one site so far, but they're growing quickly. One specific site in the ACC, that's ClemsonSports.com. Now, they do have channels for every other ACC team. Our Gramlich and MacLean recaps are up on those channels as well, so you can see that on On3.com. Our guy, Matt Connolly, does a great job at ClemsonSports.com, so make sure you check that out. Subscribe to his stuff. He had an excellent article, Mac, where he talked to Tony Elliott and broke down five, six, seven plays that went wrong against Georgia. 
and really detailed who was at fault. It wasn't always DJU. It wasn't always the O-line. So in defense of Mac there. So check out ClemsonSports.com. We're posting in the Tiger Den and the message board. And stay tuned for more information as to which ACC site will launch next. Ooh, we don't even know. So we're just putting out that teaser, but we don't know, but we're excited. It'll be it'll be breaking news, and we'll share it with you guys as soon as it happens on this podcast. But just another fun platform for us to connect with you guys. As Kelly said, we'll be in the Tiger's Den and, and going back and forth about different things. And if you guys have any questions or concerns, hit us up on there. But Kelly, let's get to this weekend. What a Again, I mentioned a great redemption weekend. We had SEC versus ACC teams. We had Alliance Bowl previews uh, that, again, just split both of those out of conference, but good competitive football throughout the day. Let's just go through this thing chronologically. Let, let's start at the be. Let's start Friday night, I guess, and then start at the beginning of, of Saturday and go to the wee hours of the night where the tears of EJ Manuel are still falling. Oh. Oh my gosh, that was unbelievable. By the way, Mac, congrats to you. We both went three and one in our picks this week. I thought about picking Mississippi, Mississippi State. I'm not trying to say I, I knew this was going to happen, but that was the one. That was the one where I just thought, I don't know if NC State can do this. Well, let me tell you, if you want to ever win a pick em challenge or at least beat me, uh, you can just do what Coach Mark Rick does and just pick the SEC anytime that they're playing the ACC <laughs> or the Big Ten in most instances. And uh, you'll be just fine and you'll beat my tail. So uh, for anybody in the future that's going to compete with me in any type of pick them, that should be your strategy. Okay, good to know. I'll, I'll talk with Coach Rick. We'll have a sit down. I need to get some advice. Okay, you called this Duke-North Carolina A&T game. Some of these games we're going to go through pretty quickly. We'll spend a lot of time on our big four. But this was good for Duke, Matt. Gunnar Holmberg looked solid and uh, they went 45-17 to over A&T. The biggest thing I noticed, and you called this game, Zero turnovers for Duke. Hallelujah. It's a miracle, Eric McLean. <laughs> it was an absolute miracle, and it, and it wasn't a great start. It, it was a rocky start for uh, Duke there and, and really uncomfortable. You know, A&T goes up early, 7-0. to zero. They sustained like two 20-minute almost drives, it felt like, where they just held the ball. They, they basically held the ball for the whole first quarter after Duke had a three and out with a, a slick run by Mateo Durant. And then kind of a miscommunication, I believe, that led to a sack. And then they had to, you know, punt the ball. And then AT just didn't give it back. And AT had a backup quarterback in. Duke had no clue that he was going to play. And, and what a great element uh, a feedy there for AT brought to this game. Uh, but then Duke turned it on and, and had a really impressive second quarter, third quarter bout where they scored 42 points. Mateo Durant was was effective, not not you know freaky great like we saw a week ago, but still three touchdowns. And then Gunner just super effective, super efficient. Love the way that he plays, and and hope they can keep growing and getting better. The main concern I have for Duke, not the turnovers, which is crazy, and I'm very excited, is the defense, Kelly, and, and being able to tackle, being able to be in the right position. Uh, they're going to start this conference play here in in, in about two weeks, and. In the conference of quarterbacks, the ACC, these guys can light you up. So your defensive backfield needs to get right and in a hurry. Uh, but that's that's my biggest concern for Duke. And they have an alliance game next week with Northwestern. And they can right the ship a little bit if if they win that game. We might forget about Charlotte. Well, maybe not. The uh, the Jim, the commissioner Jim Phillips Bowl, yes. if you will, kind of officially welcoming him. So, you know, if Duke doesn't get that win, I have questions for Jim. Ooh, and if, if there's a controversial call. Just kidding. We're not going to go there. Okay. <laughs> Um, speaking of Alliance games, Mac, let's talk about the first game of Saturday. This game, look, Virginia blew out Illinois. Illinois is bad. 
let's be real. They did beat Nebraska, so what does this say about the Big Ten? I digress. Virginia 42, Illinois 14, and here's the bottom line. Brennan Armstrong is that dude. We've been talking him up on this show. We all thought he was going to be have a really, really good year, but 27 of 36 for 405, five touchdowns, one pick? Come on, Brennan. I mean, he, he had a great day, Mac. He is such a difference maker. It, it is unbelievable to watch him. It's, it's so much fun, and, and it's not – like the most technically sound, it's not the most beautiful passes and, and way he does it, but it's effective and it's efficient and, and it's electric. It's just so good. This guy, listen to this. Uh, our great friend Brian Eyes for the ACC Network tweeted, in his last seven games, he has a QBR of 75. He's averaging right under 300 yards a game. He's rushing 52 yards a game. He's responsible for 24 touchdowns, and Virginia is 6-1 and one in the last seven games. We told you guys all summer long, Brennan Armstrong is the difference maker. He is for real, and he is one of the best quarterbacks in this conference. Kelly, I even went out on a – this isn't even a hot take. It's just a fact. Right now, Brennan Armstrong is the second best quarterback in the ACC, and it is crazy – to think what he is able to do. Now, competition is going to pick up big time, and he's going against the number one quarterback in the ACC this weekend. The huddle's going to be there live. I cannot wait to see it in yes. person and cover this from Chapel Hill. The Tar Heels versus the Virginia Cavaliers. And guess what? Uh, North Carolina hasn't beat Virginia in like 100 years. So it's going to be a big-time matchup. Sam Howell's going to need to really come to play, but Brennan is looking dynamic right now. I was really surprised to see the Vegas line, the, the early line that came out that had UNC a 10-point favorite. UNC doesn't beat Virginia. Now, I know it's in Chapel Hill, so that's good. But this it, it worries me for UNC because traditionally they struggle against Virginia Tech and they struggle against Virginia. So we'll see. But that game is going to be on our big four for sure. Can we also, when it comes to UVA, we got to mention Jelani Woods. He is Freak. a weapon. Six foot seven. He's a, the transfer from Oklahoma State at the tight end position. You you tried to warn us on our Virginia preview episode. You tried to warn us, Mac. He was exceptional, and he's becoming Brennan's favorite target. Well, when you're six foot seven, I mean, who? Why aren't you? You're you're everybody's favorite target. Similar to Kenny and, and Lucas Kroll over there. Six seven tight ends are are fun and easy to throw to. But yeah, he's freaky, Kelly, and, and a guy that can really be a dynamic weapon for this team. It's going to be fun to see how does his role keep increasing as he's able to you know take on more and more of this offense. But a lot to be excited for if you're a UVA fan right now. Absolutely, I am pumped for UNC and UVA. Let's get to our next game here on the list. This was a game in our Big Four breakdown. Mac and I both picked Pittsburgh to win this game, and win they did, 41-34 to at Tennessee. Big win for the ACC for Pittsburgh to get this done because Tennessee is not going to be one of the better teams in the SEC. You need to get this win. I thought in overall Kenny Pickett was excellent. And that's the thing is Pickett – Armstrong threw for 400. Pickett's not really going to do that. That's not his game. But he was 24 of 36 for 285 and two touchdowns. Didn't make mistakes. Spread the ball around to his guys. And Pitt controlled that game for the most part. Tennessee kept clawing back a little bit, keeping it close when they put Hendon Hooker in. But I thought Pickett and the offense did a great job of controlling the game. And whenever Tennessee answered, Pitt answered right back. What was incredible to watch at this game is, is clearly a – not ideal start, right, with a special teams error, uh, just a 
really almost embarrassing to be quite honest play by the the left wing or the left guard almost on the punt team not coming down not making his block uh and, and then a block punt that that lands on the one yard line tennessee walks in the very next play so you put yourself in a really weird spot there but Pitt responded after that unbelievably well kelly 27 points in the second quarter, I mean, they were on fire, and Kenny was de- dealing, you know, strikes the run game. The most interesting thing about the run game, Kelly, it wasn't super effective. They only averaged two yards a rush, but it just seemed like anytime they needed it, they got it. And when they went into short yardage or they were on the goal line or they went into, you know, these need yard situations, they were able to pick it up. The O-line blocked very well. The, the quarterback, Kenny Pickett, ran the ball well. Uh, Israel Abanacanda ran the ball extremely effective. So it, it, it was just weird how you're, okay, you're watching, and Tennessee does a great job stopping them, and then bam, they, they just hit a big play. But Kenny Pickett, the MVP of this team, he, he's such a warrior. He's such a leader. He does a great job with his grit. And it was, it was fun to talk to him last week before this big game and you know kind of have his mindset going into this thing. Uh, thought the defense was good enough. Thought it could have been a lot worse. I, I think if Joe Milton stays in the game and doesn't get kind of knocked out with injury and, and then maybe even replaced when Hinton Hooker came in and played as well as he did, it would have been because we knew he couldn't throw it on this team. He just isn't accurate enough. He overthrows people all the time. Uh, just isn't quite in sync with his wide receivers there. So if he would have stayed in the game, this probably would have been like a three touchdown uh, win for Pittsburgh. But Hendon Hooker kind of comes in, almost saves the day. But Pitt's defense standing tall, goal line stop, uh, and then ultimately a game ceiling interception. Just a great effort by Pittsburgh. Okay, here's something to think about with Pitt. They're now two and zero. Their next couple games, they have Western Michigan, they have New Hampshire, and they have Georgia Tech. So, look, I'm assuming they're going to be 5-0 and and going into their bye week, 5-0. and Then they have a bye week before Virginia Tech. I know they don't have a chance to get another impressive win, but if they blow out these teams and if they beat Georgia Tech handily, which I think they can even though the game's in Atlanta, so not saying it's a guaranteed win. I'm going to go ahead and say that's we a guaranteed win. Possibly, I'm going to say that. Go, I'm going to go ahead. If the AP... <laughs> okay, all right, all right. That's fair, that's fair. Um, we could possibly have a ranked Pitt versus ranked Virginia Tech matchup if the AP poll is willing to give them enough respect. It, they just don't have another signature win situation. So they have all these easy games, Mac, and then they have Virginia Tech, Clemson, Miami. <laughs> <laughs> so get these wins no, you run while to a they're available. <laughs> Seriously, right. I mean, get, go 5-0, and oh, go 5-0, and oh, and then if you can go maybe 1-2 and two in that stretch, you're feeling good for your last four. You're feeling really good. And, and to be quite honest, I mean, you might you might be two and one. You, you might be feeling really yeah, good. Maybe. What we've seen for Virginia Tech, we'll dive into a little bit more. I get that they're the second highest ranked team. Haven't been overly impressed, especially with what we've seen from Burmeister collectively. And then Miami, I mean, who knows? That, that they will probably have two more losses by that time, just looking at how they're playing. So we'll dive into all that. I'm sorry to get a little ahead of ourselves, but Pitt should certainly be 5-0 and going into their bye week and probably have a margin of victory of close to 21 points in each of those next three contests. I think that they should really turn it on and show kind of who they are as a team. Point is, we see you, Pitt. We see you. That's right. That's right. We definitely see you. Okay, our next game uh, chronologically here, Mac, Wake Forest beat Norfolk State 41-16. to Wake, look, so far they're opening a cupcake shop, right? I mean, th- these first two games, so easy. So easy for Wake Forest. Hold on. What's the name of the cupcake shop? What's what's the name of it? Um, 
Deacon treats. Oh, okay. I like that. I yeah. like that. I, I would have probably yeah. done something with like Hartman sweets. Come on. Oh, oh. <laughs> Little poet didn't know. Uh, du- Duncan oh. Deacon. Deacon Duncan. <laughs> Got to add That's some right. coffee. That's right. if you're listening, uh, we're open for sponsorship stuff. We can make the sales yes, for you. Whatever we're available. You need. We're available. Point is, they played nobody, Mac. Have you learned anything about Wake in these first two games? You know, not not necessarily. And first of all, shout out to EJ Manuel. First call ever Wake Forest Demon Deacon game here. It was really fun to listen to him and, and hear him on the call. He did a great job uh, for, for his first one, and hopefully he'll get more opportunities and keep growing. But, yeah, you, you know, it's been fun to watch Sam. You know, I think that he's a, a very electric quarterback. Uh, great to see these wide receivers getting involved. A guy like Jaquari Roberson, who – He's just special and can do so many great things with the football. But at the end of the day, Kelly, we're not going to know much about Wake Forest till we get a little later in the season. Well, we're going to know this week they're playing Florida State. Now, I don't know if we will. I don't know how much we'll know, but they should at least get that win. They're a five-point favorite. I, oh, Florida State. We'll, we'll get to them. We'll get to them. And here's here's the weird thing about that, though. Before the season, you know, we did we talked about wins and guaranteed wins. I already thought that they were going to beat Florida State well. Now that after this game, they might kill him. And then I'm talking with EJ. I feel like we've referenced EJ a thousand times. It's just the way that this episode is going to go with how this weekend happened. But he says, you know what I wouldn't expect? Them to just come out and and play extremely well because it makes no sense. This Florida State team, you just never know what you're going to get. And the culture that's there, it's so inconsistent. It's it's annoying to be quite frank with you when when we sit here and talk about how excited we are and then you know you lose to the FCS team first time ever worst loss in program history I thought FSU ever. was done with these first evers you know nope. first losing nope. season in 40 years nope. blah 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 guess we're going to keep going and guess what it's going to be back to back to back no postseason probably too ugh Anyway, yeah, we'll talk about that. That's the kind of win you need. I mean, you're right, Mac. If you want to go six and six, if you want to get back in a bowl game, you've got to win that game. Yep. And to me, Florida State, it's a classic situation of we're playing Notre Dame. The crowd is here. We're going to be up for this. Exactly. Then we're playing Jacksonville State. Eh, we don't really need to get up for it. So maybe they will get up for the game at Wake yep. because they just lost. Yep. And you know what, Kelly? We're just going to sit here and talk about this. That game was terrible. <laughs> I mean, you should, if, if, you're a Florida State alumni, if you're a Florida State former player, if you're a current Florida State anything, you should be absolutely embarrassed. That team a week ago lost to UAB 31-0, to and they mm. beat you. It's, it's terrible. It's absolutely embarrassing. You want to go to the SEC? No shot. You you want to go to the Sun Belt is probably what you want to do. I mean it's it's terrible right now, and, and I know all our friends that that go there that we know that went there are embarrassed and not happy and with the situation, the the coaching in the game was awful. And and listen, I might get in trouble for this, might not, and we don't really talk about coaching much, but there were horrible decisions that were made, and, and really just looked like an absolute rookie. I mean you you you're in there. It is a win-the-game situation. There is nothing else that you need to do except for stop them from scoring a touchdown, and we're going man-two trying to get pressure on the quarterback. Have you ever coached a game in your life? Have you never practiced this situation ever? I just It makes no sense, Kelly. And the missing tackles, I mean, they were in position. It should have never happened, but 
it's uh it's embarrassing to say the least. Embarrass the conference, quite frankly, and that's why I'm so mad about it. I could you know care less as as a Clemson alumni, but it, it embarrassed the entire conference. I'm sure we'll hear about it all week long, all over uh, our various networks here. Can we let's let's talk about it? Let's talk about Jacksonville State FSU, and then we'll get to the rest of these games. And that's something when you and I were kind of chatting before we started the podcast. I I never played football. I don't know. You probably would have called prevent defense, though. That's a great point. Yes, I would. That's what I asked you, Mike. I was like, how on earth were they not in prevent defense? How how do you not have more like a deep safety, something to protect yourself from that? That was so baffling. So baffling. You, if you protected yourself, I know the game overall was hideous, Mac, but if you protect yourself on that last play and you call a smarter defensive alignment, we're not talking about this. Like if you win right. by three, yep. we get over it. We move on. It's not great, but a win, yep. <laughs> we get over it. I, I was just so baffled by that. So baffled by that call. I was too. And, and listen, th- this isn't this isn't mo- Monday morning quarterback hindsight. Th- th- this isn't any of that. Th- this is a very blatant, terrible handled situation. Th- at the end of the day, th- 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 there is no oh well. The only reason you're saying that is because you know the outcome. Nope. One hundred out of one hundred times, that's what you do, and, and there's no question about it. So it's baffling. Uh, the the culture there is baffling. Um, they, they're in a terrible spot and, and I'm not sure how they're going to handle it. Not sure what you're going to do. Uh, you certainly don't want to be paying extra people that aren't there. So I don't know, maybe it's a time thing. Maybe it's just, we need to be more patient, but, uh, it's the worst loss in school history ever. And that's going to be attached to, to all of these names who are on this roster and on this coaching staff for their whole life. Talk to me about McKenzie Milton, because we both thought he should be the starter he ends up going 18 of 31 for 133, a touchdown and a pick. What did you see from his performance? Why he struggled? I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> it really was. I mean, a QBR of 15. I mean, yeah. when we saw so much promise, we saw so much composure. We saw strikes. In this game, I saw balls floating in the air. I saw terrible decision-making. I saw no protection against a much worse defense. It, it just, it, it was baffling. And, and I don't understand, again, at the end of the day, how do you let this happen? How, how do you get into this situation? And why can't it be, let's worry about the Seminoles. Let's worry about our team. And it doesn't matter who rolls into Dope Campbell Stadium. We're going to destroy them because that's what they used to do. And, and that's what, sitting there talking with Coach Mark Rigg, who, by the way, was one of the best coaches ever in Florida State history, won multiple national championships, has multiple Heisman Trophy winners. It, it, it's, he, he's so confused. How, how did we fall so far so quickly with this team? And, and so I hope they can get back. College football 100% needs them. The ACC 100% needs them. But it's, they're not helping any of us out right now, and it's, uh, it's tough. They're not. And you look at the rest of their schedule – UMass is the only game left that, to me, is an absolutely guaranteed win. Is is UMass just an ACC team? Why is everyone playing UMass? I don't understand that. It's very strange. Yeah, They're bring terrible. them in, I guess. They, they, would, they would fit in at this point. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> okay, Matt. <laughs> All right, I'm being Let's super negative. Here. I'm glad we got this game out of the way. No, Let's I get move it, man. On. Let's move I get on. it. These are real. It's, it's, this oh, year is real. It's exhausting. It's exhausting, to yeah. be honest. It is. And to end the day like that, to end the day with Florida State just not taking care of business. Come on. Come on. Woo. Okay. 
Virginia Tech, Middle Tennessee. I thought this was a classic, just Virginia Tech coming off the high of beating UNC. They're not, they didn't look great, but they got the job done. Again, get the job done, Florida State. Overall, are you, are you a little concerned about this offense just because Burmeister, 14 of 24 for 142? I know that they, they're a, a ground and pound. They're a run-based offense, but it feels like he's got to do a little more than that. Yeah, and, and we talked about, you know, in the preseason, we talked about kind of switching, you know, the running and, and the passing numbers. And, and for them to take the next step, that's what we need to see. And, you know, we just, we just haven't yet. The, the consistency from throwing the football – just hasn't been there with with Braxton, and and again, he's done enough to win. He's been effective enough to to get it done and and to uh, you know win football games. But when they play a higher quality opponent like a UNC, who almost came back and could have had every opportunity to win that football game, it's going to come down to your quarterback being able to make plays and make things happen, you know, for your team. So the the two biggest question marks, Kelly, that we had coming into this season for Virginia Tech was consistency at quarterback. That's still a big question. And then the identity of the defense. I think we're finding that out. And I think those guys are really, you know, stepping up and, and playing well. And, you know, there's guys on that team that are stepping up and, and getting in the backfield, making plays, causing turnovers, uh, you know, getting their hands on the football in the passing game. So I'm excited to see that development, um, which they have a big test this weekend, you know, going against a West Virginia team, going out of conference. So excited to see them fly the flag for the ACC this weekend. But consistency is going to be key. They've got to keep picking it up. But a, a good football team, clearly. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it's going to be interesting to see where do they land and where do they go this season. Mac, let's talk about Rutgers-Syracuse because we have to. <laughs> um, a few Syracuse people getting in on Twitter, responding to us, how dare you not believe in the orange. And, look, I appreciate the passion. I really do. I, I feel for you guys. I wish that your passion had a better football team to root for. <laughs> but – Overall, Syracuse or Rutgers, excuse me, was the better team, um, and they didn't turn the ball over five times. So that's the bottom line, right, Mac? <laughs> that's right. We knew that you know Rutgers was not going to be able to score sixty. Right. I knew that you know Syracuse defense would you know be good enough to contain that, and and was hopeful that the offense wouldn't turn the ball over that much to where that was even a possibility. I'm going to be positive here because I, I was uber negative with Florida State. I liked how Syracuse competed and. and you, you don't want to hear that. I know if you're a Syracuse fan, probably, and you're probably sick of hearing that, but you, you at least see a pulse of a team. And it was at least a fun game defensively to watch. Really, you know, for the first half there was was very much so Clemson-Georgia-ish, where nobody could do anything, and the defenses were playing very well and, you know, causing adverse situations for each offense. And then, you know, uh, Rutgers remembered how to play football and, you know, scored some points, 14 points in the third quarter, and then Syracuse, they decided they were going to score. So it, it was it was just a, a tough game all around, a good hot hard fought game. And you know, unfortunately, Syracuse on the on the short end of the stick. But you know, they they just they just have to keep growing. They just have to keep developing. And man, maybe maybe they sneak out a couple of wins this year. But you know, I think it's I think it's going to be another tough year for for the Orange. But the fight is there. I do agree. I think the effort and the fight is there from Syracuse, which is good to see. And and with that, you're probably going to upset. A few people. I think you're probably going to win a couple games there. Okay, BC and UMass. I, look, the main concern here, I don't think the score really tells us anything because Dracovic threw four passes and he went out of the game. And then Zay Flowers also got hurt. At this time, we're recording 7 p.m., 8 p.m. here on a Sunday night. We don't have an update, but, I mean, 
Gosh, let's hope that Dracovic and Flowers are okay, Mac. Yeah, it's scary. And and Zay Flowers, I believe, came back. We we had we didn't see injury, you know, reports on either one of them of what the official diagnosis was. I, I think Phil's might be a little bit more serious. You know, he did leave the game uh, and, and did not come back. So you know, hopefully we we learn in the next couple of days, and hopefully that young man is all right because he's such a special talent. He's such a great competitor, uh, and that'll be a massive loss for Boston College if he's unable to go or if he's unable to go for extended time. So I think in the long run, they'll be okay, uh, you know, if he's able to go. And and we've seen improvements from the run game big time. Patrick Garwo just went off 15 carries, 160 yards. I mean, talk about a run game. If that's going to be the guy, that, that was impressive to see from, from anybody. You know, a very young player, a little bit on the smaller side, 5'8", 215, a little bit of a bowling ball. But, man, give him the rock, let him do it. And, you know, Dennis Grossell, more than capable uh, to lead this team. We have seen him time and time again do that. So, you know, if he has to play, he he is certainly capable of leading this team. With the Missouri game coming up, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, you definitely want Dracovic back. So we'll see what happens there. Mac Clemson blew out South Carolina State 49 to 3. I didn't feel like we were going to learn much in general from South Carolina State. DJU still didn't look super polished. He had some some great moments. He had some moments where he Missed Justin Ross in the end zone for a wide-open touchdown. He threw a pick. He had another play that should have been picked off, and, and maybe even a few more. The run game was spectacular, as you would expect. Clemson just ran the ball down their throats. What were uh, your overall takeaways from this Clemson win? Yeah, we'll, we'll be short and sweet here because, again, it, it's a inferior opponent. You expect the team to do what they did here. 28 first-quarter points is great, a great response, especially when you hadn't scored a touchdown all season yet in that first game. So it was impressive to see that. Love the run game. Love the the attack from the offensive line up front. Got great push all game long. Will Shipley is going to be very special. I mean, that guy is explosive. I, I think the combination between Shipley and Pace is going to be, you know, thunder and lightning 2.0. You know, that, that's where I see those guys going. And I know that's a big, you know, kind of shoes to fill there with, with uh, Davis and CJ Spiller. But those guys have the ability. They have the talent. So it'll be fun to see that growth and potential. And then, as you mentioned with DJ, I mean, I, I'm not sure if it's, you know, just in his own head. Is it lack of confidence? Is, is it just some type of, you know, slump, sophomore slump? It's a real thing. That's why we call it this. Uh, but he's just overthrowing people. He's throwing the ball so hard, no touch. Um, and we never have seen that before. I mean, we knew he throw the, threw the ball hard, but you know, last year we saw a great combination of, of touch and, and being on time and, and throwing great passes. And I don't think we ever saw him throw high on anybody. So it is a very interesting thing that is going on with the quarterback position in Clemson, South Carolina, but still showed flashes and, and was involved in the run game, Kelly. How fun was that to see? Yes. Uh, if well, you're that, a, well, zone it's, a week, it's a week late, but we forgot. <laughs> it's a week late, but it was good to see. And, uh, you know, Clemson's going to be just fine and, and that they'll be, uh, you know, squarely in, in postseason play. The sophomore slump thing that you brought up, the main thing that I can can describe this as it has to be a mental thing, I think, for DJ. And, you know, when you look at the big difference, the BC and Notre Dame games, he comes in, it felt like he was playing free. He was slinging it. And he had Amari Rogers, he had Cornell Powell, he had Travis Etienne, but it didn't feel like he was really thinking. He was just playing. And he was great. And so to me, that's probably part of this is you've had an offseason with all the pressures of being the starter. You've had an offseason with NIL and the pressures that come with that. And 
I think a lot of it's mental for him right now. I think it's a lot of overthinking. Now, Georgia wasn't as, as much mental because look, the defense got after him. There were mistakes made all over the place. The D-line was in, in his grill all the time. But against South Carolina State, just overthrowing a wide-open Justin Ross, it, it's stuff like that that, to me, has to be mental. Yeah, and again, he'll figure it out. These coaches will get him right, and and he's still, no question, one of the most special players in college football. Just going through a little patch right now, which you can expect from, from, from young players. Okay, I want to finish with App in Miami and NC State, Mississippi State. So did you learn anything from EKU, Louisville, or Georgia State, North Carolina? Both those offenses showed up against vastly inferior opponents. Louisville has UCF next week, so that's going to be interesting. But, I mean, only scoring 30 on EKU, I don't feel great about that, Mac. Got to be honest. Yeah, you, you hope to, to score more points, right, for an inferior opponent like this, to have an explosive offense, get it going. But Malik Cunningham looked good, and, and I think he is a player that is just you know doing it all for this Louisville team. He's going to have to do it all, it seems like all year long for these guys to be special. So you hope they continue to figure it out in, in a big game. Like you said, Friday night, UCF uh, going to be on the national spotlight. Everybody's watching you. It's kind of kind of interesting for Louisville. You had Monday night football, now you have Friday night football, uh, and everybody's watching. So what could have been great opportunities, hopefully you take advantage of this one. And you know, looking at North Carolina, it was great to see Sam Howe be who we thought he could be and, and just go berserk, 450 yards all-purpose, Five touchdowns, uh, was the first UNC player ever, 350 passing yards, 100 rushing yards. So he's special, and, and of course, you know, a, a tough place to play in Blacksburg. He responded nicely, North Carolina scoring 59 points. All right, let's talk about Miami and App State here. Miami got it done, and that's what we were talking about with FSU, Jacksonville State, right? If you get it done, we may talk about it the day after or the day after that, but after that, no one cares. You won. You move on. And Miami did win. Now, they missed a field goal earlier in the game. You could argue this game could have been a little more out of reach, but I would say probably not. App State played really well. Chase Bryce didn't turn it over. Um, I think the bottom line with Miami is Derek King just doesn't look as explosive, as special, as dynamic as he's as he did in last year at times. Now, he's still easing his way back in. But I just I expected more from this offense, Mac. I, am I wrong to say that? I, I thought we'd get a little more. Overall, you know, the, the, this is actually how I expected this game to go and, and maybe even with Miami losing. And, and so with that, you know, it kind of comes with the the territory of what's going to give in that. And, and I think that's where the offense struggles. And, and so I agree with you that, you know, we expect to see more things and, and, you know, certainly him throwing the ball more downfield and not just averaging six yards of throw need to see that get to double digits and, and scoring touchdowns, but this was a dogfight. And, and you and I talked about it all summer long. We probably know what's going to happen in the Alabama game. We need to see how they react the next two games against App State and against Michigan State. And, and it, it's uh, you won the game. You found a way to win. You got it done. You moved on. You're still ranked. You still have all your goals in front of you. Postseason very much so alive to be in a special bowl so th these guys just have to keep going. So I thought this was a great indication of uh, the culture going in the right step, the program going in the right step. I think if this is Miami of a couple years ago, they lose, quite frankly. I think they lose this game. So going to be interesting to see another big test this weekend in Michigan State. The good thing is 
the game plan is going to look very similar with what Michigan State is going to want to do. They're going to run the ball over and over and over. And you've got a familiar foe over there in Kenneth Walker III coming from Wake Forest, you know, who, who you probably have seen a time or two on film before. So, you know, going to have a good plan. Hopefully learn from this film very quickly because uh, it's going to be a very similar attack. No, for sure. I completely agree. And I think my point with Miami, and maybe I need to give them more time, I just thought with how with all the guys they're bringing back, you add in Charleston Rambo, that we'd see a little more explosiveness. But I thought the App Miami game would be close. I said App State to cover on Friday's uh, podcast, so I completely agree. And I think this was a it was a good sign. It showed experience. It showed maturity. It, it showed what what the culture is is doing down there in South Florida. So it was big. Just get the win. That's what we're saying. Get the win. Yeah, no, no question. And, and when you look at um, you know App State again, they have a great secondary. They they have some guys who are going to be playing in the NFL in that secondary, and I think that's why we saw such a limited, you know, just production from the the passing game. Um, you know, a guy like Sean Jolly at cornerback is, is just locked down. He, he's so good for App State, and you know they struggled a little bit, but as you said, end of the day, got the win. That's the most important thing, and they uh, they move on to to next week. All right, Mac, our final game to discuss, the game that perhaps made you and I the most sad, (laughs) and state fans everywhere, Mississippi State 24, NC State 10. Look, when Mississippi State housed the opening kickoff in Starkville, more cowbell, I mean, (laughs) cowbells everywhere, that's just, how do you recover from that? It's very difficult to recover from that. Plus, NC State turned the ball over three times. You're not even counting the kickoff return as a turnover, obviously, but it feels like one because you just give up seven points out of nowhere. It, this was a classic situation of NC State going on the road to another Power 5 team in non-conference and just not being able to get over the hump. It is so frustrating that State can't do that. Yeah, it really is. And and when they housed that kickoff, I just kind of bowed my head and just said, <laughs> Lord, please, please help them. They need you. And, uh, you know, just couldn't get it done. And, and, you know, Mississippi State had a great plan offensively, threw the ball almost 50 times. Surprisingly to me, NC State also threw the ball yeah. 49 times, which, which I, I thought that was the biggest thing. And, and not that they gave up on it because they had 25 runs. Uh, De- Devin Leary had eight, which a couple of those were sacks, of course. Uh, that go- that counts as a run. But I-, I was actually surprised that NC State didn't try to establish it more, Kelly. You know, with Zonovan, with Ricky Person, how great those two are. And with your offensive line, I, I just – I don't know. It- it's kind of Georgia Clemson vibes where I would have loved to just see them go up to that offensive line, challenge them, and say – we are leaning on you. You have to move the ball and get us going. And that just didn't happen. And Devin Leary, you know, at times, similar to the U, uh, USF game, floated the ball around, didn't have great uh, oomph, if you will, when he was thrown. It still made big plays, still, still, you know, did enough to, to hang him in there. But, you know, just offensively could never get it going, could never get after it and, and get on the board. Finally, thank goodness, scored late. So the score doesn't look as bad as the game might have been. Uh, you know, just physically getting dominated. The worst part about this game, Kelly, uh, was my guy Peyton Wilson getting hurt and, and just not sure what that injury is going to be. It looked pretty bad the way that he was walking off the field. He's a warrior. He's a competitor. And I know that he's not leaving unless it's pretty severe. So I, I hope it's not season ending. I hope it's not long time, long term uh, where he misses a majority of games. And maybe it's just like a, a quick pop out, pop it back in. And, and of course, you're not going to play the rest of that game. Uh, as we, Jack, hold on, Jack Cohn 
How about dislocating his finger, throwing it back in, and then tossing the game-winning touchdown? Just freaky. I mean, freak. Let's oh, go, no. Jack yeah. Cone. Wisconsin. Let's go. Brand Wisconsin, new man. How bad do you feel? Anyway. <laughs> Again, Paul Chris should be fired. But going back, uh, you know, that sucked to see that because I love Peyton Wilson, and I think he's a great player. Uh, ultimately, you know, this this pack defense just, you know, couldn't do enough. Now, they only gave up, um, you know, two touchdowns and a field goal. That, that special teams touchdown, of course, not on them. So, you know, probably, you know, that's all you can ask from them. But at the end of the day, if you ask that defense coordinator, I know he's going to say whatever it takes – and uh, 24 points was 24 too many. So when you look at this team, I, I still think going to be a really solid team. I think they're going to bounce back well. Big concern, though, with with uh, you know my guy Peyton Wilson and, and where he's going to be moving forward. And the Bulldogs' run defense really showed up. They were great last year. They were one of the best run defenses in the country, and it was obvious that that was their plan. We're going to try to shut down the run, put the ball in Devin Leary's hands, and it wasn't enough, but – to your point, a lot of circumstances, Mac, when you when you house that kick from the jump. Have you played in a game where the opposing team housed a kickoff from the jump? I just can't imagine how deflating that is. I can't remember when it was in the game, if it was the first play or if it was the first play of halftime. But that 2014 Georgia game, which nightmares. Oh, um, yes. Our, our guy, Ooh. Todd Gurley housed a kickoff return and it Who? was never it, heard of him it, well, he still he just scored again um <laughs> that kind of broke our back and, and was just yeah, like oh my yeah. god it's over um i do remember when we played florida state in 15 uh dalvin cook his first carry from the line of scrimmage house yes. call 75 yards i was like oh boy we better hold on this game's not uh not gonna be out of reach quite yet but geez louise and it, it takes a tough team to overcome those types of momentum breakers early. I remember that game specifically. It was the first time Clemson was number one, first time running down the hill as the number one team in the country. Dalvin Cook houses that thing, and the entire stadium is just on the verge of a mental Uh-oh. breakdown, basically. <laughs> but because Clemson had the toughness, had the culture, had the senior leaders, they were able to come back and bounce back. And and I think that was reflective on state. You know, you just – you didn't have an, enough of whatever you needed, intangibles, whatever it is, to be mentally okay after that kickoff return. But, Mac, we have some great games next week. I'm excited for a lot of these games. And so far, it, it's just been fun. We've had – I've really enjoyed this season so far. It's back. It's, it's great. It's fun to have a lot of these non-conference games. We really missed those last year. And like we said, shout out Pitt. I said before the podcast, before we started recording, I'm just proud of you, Pitt. I'm proud of you. <laughs> it's like a young, a little kid growing up before our eyes. I'm just so proud. I'm a proud mom. That's right. The Pittsburgh Panthers. That's right. Another great weekend. A great weekend coming up. As I mentioned, we will be live from Chapel Hill. You guys need to tune into that coverage all day on Saturday. Really excited for that matchup. Virginia, UNC. Uh, so we'll break all that stuff down on Friday. On Wednesday, we've got a super fun guest, Virginia Tech legend Eddie Royal. You guys are not going to want to miss it. He just called his first game ever, so we'll talk about that. We'll break down the Hokies, learn about more of his story, and our new teammate on the ACC Network. So super excited for Wednesday. Do not forget to tune into that episode. Guys, that's it. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast. Drop us a little five-star rating. Write us a review. We would greatly appreciate it. But until next time... We'll see y'all.